If you have a Bible, brought a Bible, or would like to grab one in the pew in front of you, you can turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be in verses 15 and 16 this morning. Uh, if you have the Sierra Bible Church app, you can uh, bring, pull up the sermon notes on the sermon notes tab. If you don't have the uh, sermon, if you don't have the app, you can get it by texting seven seven nine seven seven, and that uh, texting Sierra Bible NV space app to seven seven nine seven seven, or just go into your app store and find it there. We are uh, also, if uh, you have any questions that uh, the sermon brings up today or the text brings up today, uh, you can email them into iron at sierrabible.org and our weekly sermon Q&A podcast will uh, answer any of your wonderful questions about Greek aspect theory and the, how to parse a specific verb. Uh, all there wonderfully equipped to equip you to live out your daily life. <laughs> Uh, so you can text, or excuse me, email questions into iron at sierrabible.org if you have any of those. Uh, today we are finishing up uh, the section in Ephesians that, that uh, is dealing with spiritual growth. Uh, last week we, we uh, talked, excuse me, three weeks ago, uh, we talked about walking worthy of the calling that we have received in the gospel. Uh, then two weeks ago, we talked about walking equipped in the giftedness and calling that God has given us individually to build up his body in the church. And last week, we talked about walking in maturity. Well, today, we want to kind of tie all of those things together in just two verses and challenge ourselves to walk uprightly, to walk uprightly with a measure of spiritual stature and growth that uh, understands and knows the gospel and is able to apply it to our life and help other people in the church to grow. Uh, these kind of two verses have been the, the rallying cry for us for this entire kind of September through August year. So a lot of what you hear this morning is going to be rehearsed of things that we have talked about as a church over the course of the last six months. And allow for this message to be uh, God's challenge to you uh, to address how you have been growing spiritually or maybe you haven't been growing spiritually over the course of the last six to nine months. And uh, if you want the message kind of in a sentence, it, it's this. Because we're called to spiritual maturity, because we're called to mature and to grow as Christians, we, we should walk uprightly. We should have a measure of confidence about our walk with Christ that is able to use our gifts and to grow according to the spiritual disciplines that God has given to us. Uh, also, uh, I want you to be thinking about the specific ways in which God has been growing you recently because at the end of the message today, uh, we will have kind of an open share time altogether. And uh, we're going to be talking about speaking the truth, growing up, growing out, fueling everything in love. And then at the end of the message, we're going to share how God has been growing us in these areas. So if there's a specific way that God has been specifically growing you that you would like to share with the congregation to build up and edify the church, at the end of the message today, you will have that opportunity. So these four commands that come out of these two verses uh, were just mentioned 
in the, were just mentioned. And uh, if you have your Bible, let's uh, stand as we honor the reading of God's Word in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. The Apostle Paul says this, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You may be seated. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you just asking that you would help us to focus on your word, to focus on you as the Christ, the living God, the one who has been raised from the dead, who is calling out people from all over the world to join and participate in your body, the church. As we grow and mature, help us as a church to press into the spiritual disciplines that you have called us to press into so that we might grow, that we might walk uprightly with you. Help us to do this all according to the grace that you have been given to us in Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Uh, So we started out the message last week by uh, talking about the set-apart ministers of the word that God has entrusted to the church in order to equip them to build, to equip the saints to build the body and do the work of the ministry. Uh, when we are mature, the, the, the point of this is to mature the people of God so that when the people of God are mature, they would not be swayed by false teaching. They would be able to stand spiritually on their own, be able to assess the claims of what people are saying, and be able to say, that's true, that's right, that's good, I'm going to take that into my soul, apply it to my life, and walk it out, or say, no, that's not true, that's not helpful, that's not good, I'm not going to receive that, I'm not going to take that in, that's not going to help me grow. And the goal of these set-apart ministers of the word is to equip the body so that the body might do the work of the ministry and be able to discern what is true and what is false, what is false teaching and what is good, solid teaching. But letting go of false doctrine is kind of like not eating too much junk food. It's like saying, stay away from that type of food because it's bad for you. But in order to truly be healthy, you can't just say, say no to the junk food. You also have to say yes to the correct food, the right food, the healthy food. And that's where Paul moves into in this. He contrasts the maturity that comes for a believer for not believing false teaching with the positive side of saying, rather, speak the truth. Speak the truth in love. For a church to be healthy, it needs not only to refute false teaching, but it also needs to be able to speak the truth in love to one another. There needs to be an overflow of sound doctrine, sound teaching, biblical theology, so that people, the people of the church, might be built up in love. Speaking the truth in love is the very lifeblood of the body of Christ. 
speaking the truth are like the veins and the arteries of the body that transports the blood, the the love of Jesus to the entire body. God not only saves us through his word and the speaking of the gospel, the preaching of his word, he not only saves us through his word, but he also preserves us, grows us, matures us through his word and through the speaking of his word. We are committed as a church to speaking the truth. We desire for everyone at Sierra Bible Church to be equipped in what God's word has said once and for all and be able to deploy that in meaningful, intelligible, credible, life-giving, loving words that build up and mature his people. And brothers and sisters, I've said this so many times, but I'm going to say it again. The church who waters down the truth of the gospel, the church that doesn't make Christ explicit in all that they do, the church that feels as if, oh, we need to hide what he has to say. It's only a matter of time before that church shrivels up and dies or is transformed into an entirely different organization completely. If the church is not committed to speaking the truth of Jesus Christ in love to one another, it might be a wonderful political organization, a political action group. It might be a a social justice-oriented movement. It might be a wonderful educational institution in which kids and adults are are learning wonderful things. It might be a, a grand economic institution in which business and finance, things are flourishing but it isn't a thriving, dynamic church of the living God in which represents the body of Jesus Christ here on the earth. If we lose the truth of the gospel in the speaking and the preaching and the ministry of God's word, we lose everything. It is too important in the gathered collective gathering of the church to not open up this book, declare what God has said, magnify the risen Christ, and allow for his body to grow by the preaching of God's word and the speaking of his truth. To use the metaphor that the passage uses, Christ is the head of the church. (laughs) If the mouth of the church isn't using the words of Christ, if the church isn't speaking for him, speaking about him, it's only a matter of time before it shrivels up and dies or is transformed into something entirely different. Brothers and sisters, we as a church, we are committed to speaking the truth in love, preaching Christ without apology. He is our Lord. He is our God. He is our head. He is the reason why we all are here. Preaching and teaching manifests itself in kind of two ways, teaching and accountability here. Preaching and teaching is digging into the scriptures together on Sunday mornings or in midweek small groups or in our classes. 
We try to preach and teach Christ throughout the scriptures and in, and in our various ministries, but we also want to hold each other accountable to the preaching and teaching of scripture. If we truly love one another, if we're truly in fellowship with one another, we're truly desiring for people to grow in Christ, we, we will hold each other accountable. And we won't shy away from perhaps even difficult conversations that we need to have with brothers and sisters in Christ to ensure that they are walking closely with the Lord and growing with him. So I have two questions in light of this for you. Who are you afraid to speak the truth and love to here at Sierra Bible Church? What's the first person that kind of comes to your mind as you think about the people of Sierra Bible Church and say, man, God would have to give me an extra measure of grace if he were to call me to speak the truth and love to that person. And on the flip side of that, who do you allow, who do you permit to speak the truth and love to you here at SBC. What, who is it if a brother or sister, who is that brother or sister that if they came next to you, put an arm around you, and said, you know what, I want to talk about this area of your life. That implicitly, without getting defensive, without first punching back verbally, you would just say, yeah, I need to hear this. And you would listen, you would take it in. So who are those two people? Who's the ones that, that just kind of intimidates you and says, I don't know if I'd be able to to speak the truth and love to that person? And then secondly, who's the person that you would permit to come alongside of you and perhaps challenge you in an area of growth? Moving on from speaking the truth and love, the second way that the passage describes walking uprightly is to grow up. Paul says, we are to grow up in every way into him who is head, who is Christ. Uh, the New, New Testament scholar P.T. O'Brien says this about this passage. Uh, the, this growth of the body has Christ as its goal. He is the one into whom we are to grow. The focus of our teaching and our accountability is so that we may grow up into him. God desires for his church to keep Jesus as the object of their worship and the object of their prayer. Our teaching and our accountability should result in the worship of Jesus and into deeper fellowship and prayer with him. Without worship and prayer, we, we won't grow up into him who, is, who should be our focus. So let me have, ask a couple questions about worship, or not ask a couple questions, let me give a scenario to you about spiritual growth. Because many, many of us will say, yeah, of course, Christ is the goal of my spiritual growth. Of course I want to become more like Christ. But it's when we get into the details of life as to whether that is evident that Christ is our goal or not. Now, don't take this as a church law or church rule, but as a helpful guideline to think through, is Christ really my focus? And I know there are exceptions to this, and I know there are certain seasons of sickness or transition that might make things difficult. It may, might make things difficult. 
but a healthy, maturing Christian who is growing up into Christ, who Christ is genuinely their focus, will make it a priority to gather together with other Christians regularly for the sole purpose of worshiping Christ, probably around 40 times a year. So if there are 52 Sundays a year, and more than 12 of those Sundays a year, you're making other plans about vacation or business trips or family commitments or whatever, is the pattern of your life around such a way that you're genuinely growing up into him who he, whom has called you to serve? Now, like I said, I know there are exceptions. I know you're already thinking, but you don't know how I have to do this. And uh, yeah, I know. I, I, okay, I, I get it. There's exceptions. I'm not making a hard and fast rule. But I'm just asking the question, is the pattern of your life in such a way that the worship of Christ is made a priority? And just giving you a practical average for a healthy, maturing believer. I love the Babylon Bee. Have you ever seen the Babylon Bee online? It's a Christian satire news website. I really appreciate how they use satire to kind of call out the truth of a situation. They wrote a, a fake article, and everybody knows they're fake. They're not trying to spread fake news. It's just trying to be funny. It's satirical. Well, they wrote a, a, fake, a fake article with the headline that says, After 12 years of quarterly church attendance, Parents are shocked by daughter's lack of faith. <laughs> if we want to produce healthy, maturing followers of Jesus, our focus needs to be Christ, and our commitments should, in life, should reflect that. The, the third way that Paul describes the, the vision of a dynamic, thriving church is not only growing up into Christ, but also growing out in our witness to Christ. Paul says, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow. There should be outward marks of visible growth for every healthy church. Paul asks the church to pray for him in Ephesians 6. He says, pray that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. In Colossians chapter 1, Paul says that the gospel in the whole world is bearing fruit and increasing as it does among you, the, the church, since the day that you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. The gospel doesn't just cause us to grow up into Christ, to know more about him and keep him as our worship and our focus. The gospel also compels us to grow out and to go outside of our comfort zones, outside of our security places, and actually bring the gospel to people that don't know it, who are not yet believers. This is the way Paul describes growth of the gospel without restraint in his own life to without restraint to the cultural barriers in first corinthians chapter 9 verse 20 it says that he says this to the jews i became a jew in order to win the jews to those under the law i became as one under the law that i might not that i might win those under the law to those outside of the law i became as one outside of the law that i might win those outside of the law to the weak i became weak I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel. 
According to Facts and Trends magazine, it's an online magazine published by Lifeway Research, Reno is the second least churched city in the United States, behind only San Francisco and the Bay Area, with 59% of people in our city being unchurched. Let that sink in. You won't visit another city in our entire country where you will meet more people who don't know Christ yet than the city that you're living in outside of San Francisco in the Bay Area, which is just over the mountain. Brothers and sisters, we won't reach people who don't know Christ yet if we aren't walking uprightly and walking equipped knowing the gospel, knowing how it applies to specific situations, and being able to share it not only with conviction, intelligence, and authority, but also with love and the heart and the ministry of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, if, if I'm here for another 20 years, if I faithfully preach the gospel, shepherd this church for another 20 years. And Sierra Bible Church isn't making a dent in that percentage that we aren't seeing a larger percentage of our city come to know Christ in real, visible, tangible ways. It will be very difficult for me to lay my head down on my pillow and to say, I as a pastor have equipped you well. Let this sink in. 59% of the people, as we walk out these doors, have no knowledge of Christ, nor do they genuinely care about him or their eternal future. It's not going to change unless we own it. Unless we, as the people of God, own this is where God has called us. This is the people among whom God has called us to live and minister and love and serve and shine the light of the gospel. We're not only to grow up in knowledge of Christ, we're to grow out in evangelism and service to people in our city. But speaking the truth in love, growing up, growing out, these are entirely meaningless unless we do this fourth thing. Fuel everything with love. Jesus says in John chapter 13, verse 34, by this all people will know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. Paul says in our passage, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The image throughout this entire passage is that of a healthy, growing body. If speaking the truth are the arteries and the veins through which it is communicated, the blood that pumps through that veins of the body of Christ that causes the nutrients to strengthen the muscles in the body of Christ, that's love. Love is what fuels the body of Christ 
to grow. Love is the only way that the body grows. We can speak the truth, we can serve, we can do all of these other things, but if, as Paul would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, but if we don't have love, it's meaningless. This means being involved in one another's lives and fellowship, having meaningful and deep relationships with people in the church, knowing them in a real way. Also, it means giving, sacrificially offering to God that which he he has entrusted to you and saying, God, preeminently, I am expressing my love to you, not only in the way that I pattern my life, but even in my pocketbook and what you have given to me as resources. The body is built through love. So there you have it. Four commitments, four commitments, four challenges, four commands to spiritual growth that manifest themselves eight ways. Last week, I challenged you to think about one area in which you're a little weak. You need some growth in Well, today I want to close the service, as I mentioned at the beginning, I want to close the service with some encouragement. I want to hear positive stories in which God has been working in you over the course of the last six to nine months in which you have grown in one of these particular areas. And we're not going to leave until I get at least three. (laughs) So Pastor Cassidy's going to have one of these mics, One of our shepherds, Dean, is going to have another one. And we're just going to have a time for open sharing. I'll I'll get things kicked off. Um, Many of you have been praying for me and for my wife to just be a little more engaging with our neighbors. And uh, uh, one of our neighbors, are they're immigrants from Bangladesh. And uh, we just don't know how to talk to them, reach them. And, And it was just a couple of, last week, two weeks ago? two weeks ago that uh, they invited An- the women invited Andrea over and they said, would you like to come to our large feast that we, that we do every single year? And they're just like, I think so. They'll talk to Carl about it, but it so- sounds good. Andrea talked to them a little bit more and said, well, why did you invite us? And they just responded to her, well, you actually talk to us. And the other, neighbor, the other neighbors don't. And it's one of the blessings that, of your prayer for us to be more engaged in evangelistic relationships that, that God is doing and working among us. So that's my, I want you to keep it to two minutes. The people are not going to hand you the mic because you will hold it for five. So they will hold it for, and you'll get up to two minutes. And I, we're, like I said, we're not leaving until we get at least three. So there's a, there's a nice little challenge. Who's got a an encouraging story to share in which God is challenging you or has grown you over the course of the last six to nine months. We're a family here. No, no need to fear. Maybe, maybe that's you. Who, you know, who are you afraid to speak the truth and love to? You're just like the entire congregation. <laughs> Everyone who goes to church here. Who wants to break the ice here? We got one right over here. Lisa. here. Um, Yeah, just the challenge is what God's doing in my life. Um, I feel like I've always had an easy time talking to Christians, but talking to unbelievers wasn't me. You know, I don't have the gift of evangelism, but of course all people are called to evangelize. So God has opened doors with me to talk about spiritual things with my neighbor who I didn't even know after living 15 years 
next to her to my daughter's mother-in-law and continue to try and reach out to my sister. And so I feel like God has spoken very powerfully actually in the last six months in terms of revealing who he is to me, which I'm able to share with others. I've come to see that God is greater than all things, that Jesus is the pearl of great price, and that knowing God and making him known is the thing that matters most in life. Thank you, Lisa. I think the Lord has opened a door for me and uh, given uh, testimony of what he come for just to die and set us free and give us new life. But that is very difficult, especially now, because there's so much going on in the body of Christ that I don't think God is pleased with and the world is rejecting. And one woman told me the other day that you know, she lived as good as we did or the uh, church did, so why should she change? We're having difficulty in that area trying to evangelize, and we need prayer for that because if we can't talk to them, we, ha we don't have a chance, and they, neither do they. So we need help and prayer in that area to be able to speak the truth in love and show them the difference between what really is Christ and the hypocrites or the false teaching and false doctrine and false churches. We need to show the real church. Thank you. Thank you. Susan over here. It's been an interesting journey for us uh, moving here to Susan, uh, from Susansville to uh, Reno in the past few months. And uh, one thing that happened, as most of you, a lot of you know, Dan had surgery in March, and what an amazing journey that was. Um, while I was there, there were several things that happened in terms of speaking the truth in love and, and, and sharing the word with um, other people. Uh, one of them was a gal. Um, I saw her eating alone when I went to eat my lunch on the day of his surgery, and uh, I went and sat down uh, with her and asked her if I could sit down and, and uh, eat with her, and she said yes, and so we, we chatted, and I was able to um, encourage her, she's a Christian, I was able to encourage her to um, reach out and, and uh, come to church. She had stopped going to church, it was getting more and more difficult for her, but uh, she her, her son would be able to, to bring her if she wanted to. So. A um, little far to hear for her from her house, but uh, anyway, she she seemed to be encouraged uh, to to reach out and and um, and seek fellowship again. The other one was a friend from Susanville, um, whose husband had been in um, ICU for uh, 19 days, and I had not heard from her for a while uh, in our move and everything. I didn't know that, so I happened to meet her at the hospital. Um, on my way to get, you know, meds for Dan at the um, uh, pharmacy, so I was able to sit down and, and uh, pray with her. But uh, saw her yesterday at uh, my concert and and uh, uh, found out that her husband had died um, seven days later. And she shrugged her shoulders and said, "God didn't answer my prayer." And I said, "No, God said no. God God said come home, bring you know, and 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 it was time for for her husband to leave." Um, so it was exciting to see how God um, used me in a situation where, you know, 
we were dealing with our own things, and, and we've seen that so often before. We're in medical offices. Those, are, those have been, over the past years, with Dan's cancers and everything, those have more often than not been um, mission fields for us. And God has just opened up so many doors to share with people, talk to people, uh, pray with people in those situations. Thank you, Susan. I thought I saw one more over here, and maybe one more after that if anybody else has one. But As Cassie does gymnastics over the pews. Hi, I'm Pat Lance, and I'm married to Larry Nielsen, and we plan on joining your church. And my thing that I take from this accountability, uh, I'm 87 years old, and I have trouble. I have that fall asleep in church syndrome. <laughs> and so it's I okay, just... I have put to people to sleep syndrome. <laughs> anyway, I, I've been trying to fight that and I bring a little tablet with me and I try to take notes so that, if, you know, that it'll make me keep working. And he pokes me now in there. <laughs> and uh, one of the things that we do is we have a Bible study at Cascades where we live in Sparks every Wednesday evening and we try to invite people and we've grown from about six people to over a dozen. Wow. And so, uh, and he's a better talker about it than I am. <laughs> I get nervous. <laughs> okay, I guess that's all and I just want I'm Praise the Lord. Thank you. Any, you. any, one, one more over here, then we will close in prayer. So, um, evangelism is something that has always been very difficult for me. And so, you know, within the last year, God said, well, do, do an evangelism class. <laughs> I was like, really? Are you, I don't, this is not my good thing. This is not where I'm strong. But with working with Howard, which was just, you know, amazing in, uh, you know, kind of working through that. I mean, don't get me wrong. In, in my heart, it's like, I want people to come to Jesus. That is in my heart. It's just getting to the words and approaching people. And especially approaching people that I don't know. And so in this process, kind of in, in the spring, there was a morning that I went into work. And because it was bad weather, I started out early. And so I ended up at work half an hour early and I was going to get some coffee and kind of encountered this young African-American man who was just kind of like shouting at nobody in particular and this is inside the Atlantis where I work and I'm I like, have that on every Sunday morning at 9 30 <laughs> shouting at nobody in particular yeah. but uh, you know and but I you know I just I felt God saying you know what, you need to go talk to him. And so I reached out and said, hey, what's, what's going on? And, you know, he started because he, he just was feeling like people were just, you know, treating him badly uh, because of his race, because of, you know, what he looked like. But when I got talking with him, he's just this, uh, it was just this amazing, intelligent young man that, you know, that is like, you know what, he really needs to be heard and to be loved. And then, you know, kind of near the end of our conversation, he's like, you know, nobody listens to me like this. This is amazing. And I'm like, well, you know, understand that because of what I believe as a Christian, that I believe that you have 
just as much value as anyone else. And you should be heard. And I want to hear you. And so, you know, even though I didn't necessarily get to share the whole gospel with him, I got to share what Christ was giving in my heart to give him. And so, you know, that was, to me, growth in that area. Thank you, Bob. And thank you, everybody who shared and those who were like, I, if there was like one more, I definitely would have. Uh, thank you all for thinking and praying. And it's just so encouraging to hear God at work in his body to stimulate us toward, to pursue maturity and spiritual growth. Uh, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for how you are at work in your body. Thank you for calling us to press into maturity, to grow spiritually, to be your hands and your feet to this world that is in need of the gospel. We pray that we would have lifestyles that reflect your grace, that people can see that we're committed to you and to you alone, and that from the overflow of that grace, your, your, uh, your heart, your love, your ministry to this world would, would happen. Thank you for all that you've done for us in Christ, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen.